Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, June 28th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, fun show for you guys today. Yeah, we got uh, Blake Murphy of Revenge of the Birds to come on the pod with Evan Swords of 49ers Hub to talk all things NFL. So we do at this time each week. So it's great to have a Cardinals perspective uh, contrasting with our Falcons and 49ers perspective each week here on the podcast. But we talked about all kinds of fun stuff in the NFL. Andy Isabella, if he's long for the roster, Kyler, Cliff, uh, the NFC West, uh, the Jimmy G uh, comments on the Edelman appearance on a recent podcast, uh, Debo's future, uh, the Chiefs unreal 2022 schedule, um, first coach fired, uh, where the betting odds are there, and uh, all that and more on uh, today's edition of the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, thank you guys for checking out the pod today. I greatly appreciate it. Make sure if you're not already subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Wherever uh, you get your podcasts, guess what? Chase the Most Podcast is there. So make sure you subscribe to get all of my daily content on that front uh, here on the Chase the Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, don't forget, you can read me all my sports writing over at sportsrenaissancemansubstackcom Type your email. Uh, and become a subscriber over there sports renaissance man that's me uh go ahead and check that out today we're on youtube as the youtube channel continues to grow uh all kinds of great video content clips and all that good stuff over on the youtube page youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast you can email the program as always at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer uh, I think that's it. Uh, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this late on a Monday. I am joined by a first timer, not a first timer, except on video. We've done a pod in the past. When back in the day, before I don't know what to call this, BV before before, before video. video, yeah, BV. Uh, but Blake Murphy is here, great, great Arizona Cardinals writer. He's here to hash it out with Evan Swords and I about the Kyler Murray situation and what's going on in Arizona because we have some Kyler takes. We want to get some perspective on uh, someone who covers the team every single day at Revenge of the Birds and a very good website that you should go check out if you do not already. Uh, Blake, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing good, Chase. It's definitely the doldrums of the off season. Glad yeah. to be here, at least to talk at least a bit of Cardinals football. Since there's, as far as Cardinals fans, for a while it seemed like that there was nothing but new news, and it was not good. About pretty much every single week, it would go without fail. Definitely been kind of nice for Cardinals fans just to get to take a breath from a lot of the news that we've seen for the most part, and uh, check in with a lot of the other NFL teams. I think too around the horn. It's. Uh, it's going to be a fun upcoming season, especially now I think the Cardinals fans are rejoiced to not have to play Russell Wilson at least more than uh, once a year this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. But you might get Baker Mayfield on the docket. We'll see. Hey. Uh, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, whoever it is. But back from his vacation, not tan, Evan Swords. Evan, I was expecting you to be a couple shades. What dark. the? F- <laughs> Wait, first off. I mean, like, I don't know if I have, like, a really HD camera and everything's yeah. white or something like that, but I'm much tanner than I normally am right now. You're not. No. I am. Oh, I, I swear to God I am. Like, like for I don't me, know, man. I'm from Portland, Oregon. I, I like, am a normally, like, pale white. Yeah. Like these walls. 
like Blake and I. It seems like I mean, Blake and I are both pretty fair-skinned. We, we're the fair-skinned gang. I mean, what I will say is this. I've lived in Los Angeles and Phoenix, yeah. and both times, like, I never was that tan. I just can't tan. Like, I just, it's not going to happen for me. It's never going to be a natural tan. I think I need to figure out the right self-tanner. That's what I need to do is just invest in the right one and just try it out. But I'm so terrified it will go, uh, it would just go awry and I'm just going to be left with a crazy, crazy skin tone. But this is one of the peaks of having a fiance. Like, I want to wait until I get married and then it's just like, I can experiment with whatever. It's like, who cares? I'm locked in. Like, if I mess up on some tanning, yeah, there's no rules. There's just, you can experiment and figure stuff out. You're like, hey, I'm committed. Why do you uh, think I have a worthless mustache right now? It's literally because I, I Sarah's here. I don't yeah. like. I came home from Mexico. I was like, I need to shave, and I was like, Oh, this seems like a dumb idea. But I've got nobody. I need to worry about impressing Sarah. Just, so that's yeah, the, I thought the it was the Top Gun Maverick look. Like you're going for mm. the goose. You're going for the rooster <laughs> type of look for the summer. Like I no. thought that was going to doing that whole little dance on the beach. No, like, I've, I have never. I like Never once have I ever had a mustache on purpose or seriously. Okay. I literally was like shaving last night and was like, oh, I went a little bit lower than I'm normally used to. Mm. And then I, I just, just, it was there. I don't know. Are you going to keep it? How does no, the, Absolutely how does... not. Okay. I would have shaved it off today, but Sarah made a joke about me looking dumb and I was like, mm. well, I'm stubborn. And now yeah, you're going you, to look at it Yeah, that was the worst strategy for long. you. Yeah, there, that yeah. was not a good move. Uh, Blake, how is the what is the heat like? Because I am in East Tennessee, grew up in Georgia, obviously, and uh, very familiar with the humidity and just the unbearable nature. Uh, but I have never been to Arizona. What is the difference with Arizona heat? Is it actually hot? Is it the same as LA heat where Evan is? Like, what is? Is it bad? Is it comfortable? Is it overblown? What is the heat like there? Yeah. See, in Arizona, it's like you get to the weird place where you're like walk outside, like oh, it feels cool outside, and then mm-hmm. you look at nighttime and you realize it's 95 degrees outside, but mm-hmm. it feels cooler because it's like oh, I had to say it's a dry heat. Still, like you know, 105 is 105, and it is uh-huh. 105 right now. So it's not that you lose too much, but I have to say, like, is it better than? Uh, you know, when LA gets to 105, yeah, I, I think so because that hmm. is better than Texas. Yes, you can just essentially go from air conditioning to air conditioning, look just as pale as I do. Although that <laughs> maybe my lighting setup is a part of all of that, and then just run outside to go to the pool at least for the most part and on those days where it's just too hot so arizona we're a unique bunch here we decided to build a city in the middle of the desert because we're crazy people and continue to live here it's probably at least the worth it when i say eight months of the year yeah you're gonna get it where it's like 75 and sunny back in january while all the rest of your friends are shoveling snow can't Mm -hmm. shovel sunshine as they say yeah i mean i will say some like i obviously i lived in phoenix for like a year and a half the one thing that they have on, like, lock is, like, you know, I'm in West L.A., so I'm by the beach three miles inland, and, like, nothing was built out here for a lot of, like, high heat, just because it naturally, like, you know, it's usually 70 degrees. Now, global warming, that 70 is now, like, 75, <laughs> you know, closer. Like, today, it was, uh, right now, it's, like, 85 degrees. No, it's, like, 80 degrees. What is it? 75 degrees. Mm. Um, but like in Phoenix, you everywhere you go is air conditioned, air conditioning, you're hop skipping and jumping. If you go to a restaurant that, you know, outside there's misters, like the bars have misters everywhere. Uh, everybody's got a pool. Like it just, it's different. You know, like it feels like they're, they're like, we know what to expect. We're all very prepared for it. Whereas like here, that's just like, We'll give you a fan and one AC. Like, I've got this AC unit, like, in my bedroom and nothing else anywhere. There you go. 
So give us the one, the best thing about your trip to Mexico. So Blake, Evan went on a uh, Mexico trip over the last nice. week. He's been away, uh, yeah. bouncing around, uh, having a lot of fun. You you went to a wrestling match, a pay-per-view. So, yeah, I yeah, yeah. like you did that. Like you were all over the place. You so, did, you experimented all over the place, man. So yeah, we did. So it was like real Mexico. So we mm-hmm. did eight days in Guadalajara, um, which is just an incredible city. Um, mm. You know. We did as much as we could do in terms of, like, really experiencing, like, you know, Mexican culture, seeing the city. We did Lucha Libre, which mm. is the, the wrestling that you were referring to, which is was just, uh, as far as wrestling is considered, absolutely terrible from a technique standpoint. <laughs> but, you know, what they, what they lack in technique, they had in heart. I'll tell there you, you what. Um, you know, tried all, you know, as much food as we possibly could. What was the best thing you ate? Oh, man. So the best thing that I, I ate, it's hard to say because we did so much, but, like, we did the best of all of their stuff, right? So, like, hmm. birria tacos, like, are from Guadalajara, um, and it's a very, like, popular taco where you dip it in, like, a, a kind of a, a soup, if you will. Uh, we had, we had like, tortas from, like, one of their most popular tortas restaurants. We mm. had tacos at some of their most popular taco restaurants. Um, yeah. You know, we really did it all. Uh, but I would definitely say that my favorite thing while I was in Guadalajara was probably what we went there for. And that was, you know, we all, like all of our, me and my buddy, is my best friend's birthday is on the day after Christmas. So we can't celebrate mm. because... My fiance, it's the day before Christmas. It's right? a rough it's a rough gig, man. It's a rough go. So we celebrated yeah. his half birthday. And uh, all of us have drank tequila for a very long time. Like that's always <laughs> been our alcohol of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we always, you know, taking shots of tequila, like every now and then we'll FaceTime each other, like, you know, on Thursday night or something when it's, you know, whatever, and just take a shot of tequila because none of us lives next to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. So we went there to go to Tequila, Mexico to see tequila get made, uh, how they harvest the agave plants, how everything gets stored, all the above. Um, and that was incredibly, incredibly cool. We hmm. went to Jose Cuervo's, like, headquarter facility where they like do all of the agave um harvesting and like you know the the el the el Himidors, uh, are the people that like actually go out and cut the agaves and mm. you know they showed us how that was done how tequila is made where it gets stored the mm. entire process so it was really really cool we to get there because it's about a two-hour trip we took an, a, te- a tequila train so mm. a jose cuervo train <laughs> From downtown Guadalajara mm-hmm. all the way there. And it was, like, such a classy thing. Like, 9.30 in the morning, they start us out with, like, a, here is our best tequila. You know, in tequila, you don't, like, it's an American thing to take shots, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, like, they want you to sip it the way you would whiskey mm-hmm. or scotch. And so, like, they're, like, here's, like, uh, you know, a, a food board for, like, a tasting. Mm-hmm. Like, and we want you to, like try these these uh coffee beans with it and then try this like vanilla extract with it and here's like sugar cane chew on it then try and take you know take a sip and taste the different flavor notes and i could go on and on and on but like i can't say it enough if you if you like visiting different countries uh guadalajara was amazing i got a uber there for a dollar (laughs) 20 that's not bad yeah that's not bad Blake, are you going anywhere for vacation this summer? Do you have any plans? Getting out of the country? Do you have anything? 
Oh, gosh, yeah, no. I'm probably just going to take at least a weekend trip up to the northern part of Arizona. We do have more than just a desert as part okay. of our ecosystem. So yeah. probably do a weekend trip up there where it's going to be like, you know, 80 degrees and shiny and then get a little bit up to Flagstaff. You might get some cloud cover. Get some well, what's get up there? Is it jacket. like lakes or what is it? Like what's it's like uh... it's, it's forest style for the most part. Like you think of how huh. Colorado is like mini Colorado is a good way to think of it. When you go up north, there's a lot more mountains. Um, Prescott area, which is like where the capital probably should have been versus the middle of the <laughs> desert. That's yeah. like the spot where it's like higher elevations. You'll occasionally get like a little bit of snow up there, but it's hmm. like they tell people all the time, you know, during the uh, winter, you can go up north in Arizona, go some snow, get some snowboarding in. During the summer, you go down, get some sandboarding in. You just get snowboarding that truck. in Arizona. That's possible. I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Well, yeah. It's, so that's how it is. Where he's talking about is yeah. a much, much higher elevation. Huh. So, like, so you think like the Grand little... Canyon is the highest point of that, and then you think a little lower than that, there's going to be all sorts of mountains, all sorts huh. of that. That's the whole yeah. Rocky Mountain area. I guess, they have pops on up. You I can definitely go snowboarding out there. It's very low, low key. You know, like yeah. really basic stuff. But yeah, there's definitely some some snowboarding and like some mountain life up. You know, a couple hours away. You have to remember, yeah. I don't know, Chase, if you ever knew about that hiking trip, but I did yeah. that like eight day hiking trip in Havasupai Falls, uh-huh. which is out that way. And it's, I mean, it's yeah, a bunch of different climates. Oh yeah. It's, okay. it's a cra- it's a crazy state. But most people, you know, it's a favorite thing. Someone's like, all right, we're visiting Arizona and you see like, you know, some old West town with like a cowboy and a horse riding mm. down next to like some sort of like, you know, a bunch of nuns coming out of like a church or something. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is 2022, bro. Like we're, yeah. we're hanging out over here for the most part at the pool side of the Scottsdale resort and can go golfing for the most part here in the middle of January. So come on. Now, so Blake, what part are you? What part of Phoenix do you live in? Uh, I'm in the Chandler area, so you think about East Valley. The West Valley is a yeah, lot yeah. older for the most part. You got your downtown Phoenix area, which is uh, Phoenix culture is very funny because we adopted the LA drive everywhere model, but we decided yeah. to have a better freeway system to go with it. I'm Everyone just goes system. into downtown, goes out of downtown. So it's like the funniest thing is you can leave a game or something like that. You walk three or four blocks away from the stadium you're like there's there's nobody here like it's it's it's, it's like it's empty like there's well no i mean you guys also have so yeah old town scottsdale is essentially like where everybody goes to party and yeah. phoenix is like less of a major metropolis where like that's where everyone goes so it's hmm. it's like spreads out like tempe is here downtown's here and then scottsdale's here and like it's, it's pretty evenly spread. So it's about six or seven city ecosystems, and I think like someone even made a comparison to the Breakfast Club. Like, all right, you got your sports <laughs> guy, you got your Scottsdale party people, you got your weirdos back over there, you know, and like Maricopa, yeah. which is down like about forty minutes away. All the people are like, I'll buy the cheap housing down there. It's it's just very funny to see how there's just character that each of the different parts all come together in Arizona, and that's just the major metropolis area. We're not even talking about people who go up north or uh, it is. I think yeah, go down south where they got the tombstone actors that are all walking around there like it's good old Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp, at least, for that. So a lot of, lot of fun stuff, at least, in the Arizona area. Sports, on the other hand, has always been a little bit of an issue. They've got one major championship and yeah. a lot of heartbreak and a lot of disappointment over the years for Arizona sports fans who didn't, you know, my parents are from Michigan. They yeah. decided to not become Detroit Lions fans, which, of course, good for them, at least, good for yeah. me. But a lot of people bring their sports teams with them. So you go to a sporting events half the team uh, half the fans i should say are supporting the other teams so huh. it's definitely a unique spot it's not like you can go to a game and simply sit next to a bunch of the same fans everybody else well, what's like, one oh. through four what's the most passionate what's the most flooded is it one the, there is a absolute like 
portal mm-hmm. from Scottsdale to the like Chicago, Michigan area. It's mm-hmm. one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. Yep, you tons of Packers fans, tons of Detroit people, tons of that. And the other one that's a big one, of course, yeah. is Dallas Cowboys because they're everywhere because of right. the yeah. 90s for the most part. And the uh, Cardinals used to be in the NFC East, so that was mm-hmm. kind of their Super Bowl every year. It's like, all right, we're going three and thirteen this year, but two of those wins are going to be against Dallas. Let's go, guys! The Falcons I mean, were in the NFC West at one point, which is still yeah. just—I grew up with the Falcons in the NFC West. That was a thing that I grew up with. <laughs> when I when I was there, and I would go watch 49ers games at like, in, like mm-hmm. I lived in Tempe at the time, and there was like a 49ers bar out there, and. I've never seen anything like it. Obviously, you know, a lot of people move from San Francisco where it's so expensive to a place like Phoenix with the cost mm-hmm. of living is lower. The San Francisco, I wouldn't even say it's the number one. It might not even be top three, but the 49ers fan base out there is insane. Yeah, they travel mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And they I mean, didn't you go to a game? Event. Didn't you go to a game last year in Tempe? Yeah, yeah. I went, yeah. Well, I went to the I went to the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals stadium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in, right. Yeah, it was all Niners. Interesting. Hmm. Have you seen a rattler in person, Blake? Have you seen one in person? Heard one. Haven't heard seen one. Us. Heard one. We we're on a hiking trip. Heard a rattler. Everyone just froze for a quick second. Like looked around at her feet, didn't see anything, and everyone just kind of quickly moved away. <laughs> it was just like was this uh, daytime or nighttime? Was it oh, like this is, this is daytime? This is like in those weird areas where you get a subdivision that pops yeah. up and it's just desert. Now, most but you never of those saw. Is, you just heard it. Nope, just heard it for the most part. But it's like the bigger thing out here to worry about is scorpions. To be honest, because huh. like snakes will be one of those spots, but scorpions can go all over the place for the most part. Especially yeah. like if you're like, I got a new house. It's in this new place. You didn't realize that it was just about six months ago. That was a dirt desert lot. Suddenly you're going to have some scorpions that end up kind of in your backyard. Oh. And it's always a thing to look at for the most part. It's been less than I remember as a kid, but that's less that's rattlers, Arizona for scorpions. you. Uh, yeah. Less yeah. rattlers, more scorpions, which is weird. The only we've only had ever one type of like scorpion themed. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say like sports what? thing. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And it was the lacrosse team, and they lasted for, like, two to three years, and that was pretty much it. But, yeah, the Scorpions, it's for the homeowners that you're going to want to look out for, for all the other yeah. out-of-town visitors. thing you got to look out for, apparently, is that we've got pretty low alcohol prices compared to most other states, which is hmm. kind of interesting. Or maybe that's just the Seattle Seahawks fans that I met who were, like, you know, super excited. They're like, dude, look at how much how low, cheap the, the beer is. And they just started mm-hmm. loading up carts and stuff to put in their luggage to take back home. <laughs> just like, uh, you, you guys okay? Like, is everything going all right up, up there in Seattle? Like, it's all That's right. because I don't know if I've, there's this, not, not many cities can drink the way that mm. Scottsdale drinks. This is and true. I think, I think they know this if like, well, let's, we'll make it a little bit cheaper, but we're going to get more in the long run because these people just buy alcohol. Did you do the um, IV at all on your trip, Evan? Were you doing the IV at all? Uh, in Mexico, no. I mean, okay. Mexico, Guadalajara, like Guadalajara is like where people that live in Mexico go to vacation. Like, hmm. it's not it's not a vacation area. It's not a tourist spot. Like in that sense, it is yeah. very, very much like, like I mean, it's pure Mexican culture. Like, hmm. like you you go to Cabo and you're gonna see like everything tailored to like the american tourists like mm. none of that there like they, there's there's not going to be any many iv places in guadalajara there you go their their solution to that is to drink more tequila <laughs> um blake you're arizona cardinals so yeah. i want to get your perspective because evan we've got uh we got some stuff to to sort through with his niners in a second but your arizona cardinals they have had kind of a weird off season and i was going through uh, this was on Revenge of the Birds a few days ago. 
may have been a week now, but um, one of the things that y'all did a good job of like highlighting who's going to make the roster, right? And you're looking at what the running back room is going to look like, and you look at, oh, you know, Benjamin might be the number two back in Arizona this year, and you're like, okay, this is going to be a very different looking team. And no D-hop, obviously, for several games to start things off. But then you look at it, and I had not realized that Andy Isabella was like in danger and not even favored really to make this roster. Is that real? Like the Andy Isabella thing, not working with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and not working in Arizona is one of the more just under the radar things that I never understood that this just has never worked as a marriage and I don't understand it. So is this it? Like, have we already seen Andy Isabella play his last snap as a Cardinal? Yeah, it's hard to know because the biggest thing you can say right now is if you look at last year, they finally end up having where, all right, Rondale Moore is hurt. They got people out with COVID. This is the Andy Isabella time. And instead, it was a guy that called up off the practice squad, Greg Dortch, who ended up getting mm. like at least a jet sweep, was kind of that distraction guy in the game. Just for one reason or another, I think it's been the expectations that a lot of people had. I remember back in 2019, they had the Andy Isabella versus Hakeem Butler was like mm-hmm. an actual debate that people had. Some people were like, hey, why? I would have taken Hakeem Butler in the second mm-hmm. round for that one and taken Isabella like the fourth or the fifth. Others were basically saying, yeah, Butler totally overrated. Isabella is a fantastic fit. I liked how the Isabella pick was because I thought it was a great fit. I looked at how DK Metcalf went later and was like, well, you probably would take that. But I had heard and other people had heard, too, that there may have been concerns about injuries or the neck or some stuff that was overrated and Mm -hmm. you get a clean bill of health for a prospect for that one nowadays you look back at it and it looks pretty dumb that the cardinals not only ended up passing on aj brown with the 33rd pick but also passed on metcalf with the next pick and they probably lucked out with the DeAndre Hopkins rule. So uh, I was going to say, like, you don't get D Hop yeah. if you do that. So it's like our favorite, our fa- Bill O'Brien at least one of the definite all-time Arizona Cardinal fan favorites. Obviously, so mm-hmm. you know, shout out to him. Ah, well, maybe not everybody. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shout out Texans fans for those. With Isabella, what has kind of been the biggest thing, and this is coming yeah. into camp from seeing as a as. Whereas a rookie, I expected that Isabella and Butler were going to play a lot because you had mm-hmm. an aging Larry Fitzgerald. You wanted to see if you could get a guy outside kind of in the X. And with Cliff mm-hmm. Kingsbury, his idea is that he really doesn't move his receivers around a lot. Now, he's done a little bit more of that over the years, but his general idea that he tries to put together is put his players in positions to make plays, try to get those one-on-one type of matchups, and then mm-hmm. trust that those players are either going to go up and get it or can be able to actually separate, get downfield, get the ball. He, he tries to be able to then utilize some of that with the run game by utilizing, obviously, the air raid type of offense, spreading guys out, allowing them to be able to get guys and run up the middle. And, of course, utilizing a rushing threat in Kyler. So you'd think Mm -hmm. that Isabella would be able to work, but there's been some of those little things that just haven't clicked. Um, I think one of the biggest ones I remember is seeing in rookie camp for Butler. You're watching him get kind of physically manhandled by a 5'9 corner who Mm -hmm. ended up spending the end of the practice squad. You're like, oh, this this isn't going to work. If you're expecting an X receiver to be able to go there and all he can really do is just make 50-50 jump balls and not really be a physical player, you're probably in a whole lot of trouble. They just did the best they could, said, all right, run on a nine route, go up and get the ball. Couldn't do it. So they end mm. up moving on from him a little bit later. I think the Eagles even tried him out at tight end for something with his frame. Huh. Isabella, it was similar. He was having a hard time getting off of the press. You knew you kind of were having to relegate him to the slot, which 
he really hadn't played as much of. He was an outside receiver in college, and so yeah, people just saw him that, and thought he was a slot guy, and it was like, yeah. no, this dude just runs go routes. And he can run go routes. He was going downfield. Mm-hmm. The hard part for a lot of that was some of the things that people who were commenting were more of the film watchers, those experts. Mm. They noted that he was definitely had issues as far as for just letting the ball get into his body, not using his hands as much, which allowed defensive backs to kind of jam him, get the ball loose. And as far as the routes took, he would just not quite be in the place he needed to be at the right spot and the right time. You had these bang bang type of throws he would either be a little bit too short on his route or in some cases one a bit long one of the plays that kind of sticks out would be one of those plays where the Arizona Cardinals are trying to run at least an over the route uh, middle route where you've got essentially Isabella is on a levels type of route Mm -hmm. Um, and they end up throwing it the ball goes a little bit high he's not able to go up and get it but he also didn't get enough depth on his route to go upfield partially because it was going to bring him a little bit into harm's way the ball ends up getting picked off and you end up seeing how the Cardinals kind of pulled him a little bit after that you could just see that there was just little avenues where the amount of time for him to be able to develop was taking a little too long and as far as the jet sweeps went you can kind of see what they did with Rondale Moore this last year Mm. who ended up basically coming in and showed okay you're looking really for this guy who can be a dual threat who's got the same type of speed but also has a little bit of a physical nature who's able to make a little bit more change of direction and we even saw it this past year there was plays in the beginning of the season where there was a little check down to Ron Dillmore he makes two guys miss gets out of bounds with one second left on the clock you see him being able to use his hands in some different ways you can kind of see what they looked for I think in Arizona that's a little bit different is they kind of are trying to be able to win games now and to take a guy from a small school like Isabella and kind of put him in that Wes Welk or Julian Edelman mode, you probably are going to need four to five years for him to develop into that mm. type of player similar to Edelman and Welker. And he just hasn't taken those steps forward. And so I think the Cardinals have decided to move on in that regard. And now they end up with probably at least another type of slot receiver in a lot of ways that they traded for. That I think they'll probably play him in a couple of different spots similar to Christian Kirk. And Hollywood Brown, who yeah. when Kyler Murray knows him right out of college, and he's got probably a lot better deep separation than Isabella has kind of have to be able to go with the guy and say all right Arizona's tried for this for a couple of times to get it right with this deep threat here's hoping that they can finally find that answer at least with someone who Kyler Murray's already connected with well what do you what do you make of the fit because it's kind of weird because now Christian Kirk's gone Isabella's gone and uh, D Hop is gone for several for a significant portion of to start the season and now it's just like so much pressure is on Hollywood Brown, right? Like there's just not a lot of proven commodities and relying on AJ Green in 2022 is asking a lot. So when you look at this wide receiver room and you look at just the pressure to start out well and to really get this thing moving in the right direction, because it's win now mode uh, if you're Cliff Kingsbury. Like are you concerned about the current state of the wide receiver room or do you think there's another position group that gives you more pause out of the gate here? There's others position groups you can talk about at least here. We'll get into that in a minute as mm. far as for the biggest news that came out of Cardinals minicamp. But yeah. this is, I think, the first year that the Cardinals actually went out and tried to actually get like young weapons for Kyler more than just simply slapping a DeAndre Hopkins on it and saying, we've got Larry Fitzgerald, we're good to go. When Kyler came into the league, they had Christian Kirk playing outside, essentially in the X position, mm-hmm. and they're basically, I think, second most effective receiver over that course of the year after Fitzgerald was 
like Demir Bird, <laughs> like one of these journeyman guys, and they ended up being just because he could run three routes better than the next guy, and so then you see how they took a next step in the following year by adding DeAndre Hopkins, and then you realize, oh, this offense is basically just DeAndre Hopkins, and with Christian Kirk on the other side, you're seeing occasionally Larry Fitzgerald running a 10-yard route, but you can kind of tell at least that he'd reached the end of his tenure. This past year, you kind of got to see they finally got some size on the outside to help with some of that. They had Hopkins one place, Kirk finally in kind of his spot in the slot, mm-hmm. and they were able to actually unlock a little bit more of the 11 personnel where they were able to actually have a blocking tight end. And this kind of fits a little bit with what we saw from Cliff Kingsbury, where the Cardinals in the end of 2019 and early 2020 were actually one of the best rushing teams in the NFL because they were able to spread teams out, utilizing Kyler Murray's legs and being able to have a good tight end blocking. Mm. What we saw later in the year with Williams getting hurt was they got to use Zach Ertz, and I think what's interesting about the wide receiver spot is they may have indicated a little bit more of that indica- of that desire to move to some 12 personnel. And yeah. I think that's because they drafted Trey McBride in the second round, which shocked a lot of people who were like, they just signed Zach Ertz to a three-year deal. They've got Max Williams coming back. He's probably going to open on the, the pup list, but you know, did you just draft a backup tight end with your second-round pick? And I think that's an indication that the Cardinals are going to try to be able to, in some ways, injury-proof some of their offense. Because let's be mm. honest, when DeAndre Hopkins went out, their offense that had seemingly been super effective suddenly turned into, all right, in third and one, they got a one-on-one <laughs> matchup. So Kyler's going to launch a deep ball outside to A.J. Green, who's not going to get it. And that was really – that and slot fades to – Christian Kirk became their offense, and mm. really it just was not able to take that next dynamic step. So I do think what we'll see from the Cardinals, at least for the first six weeks, is Hollywood playing some outside, maybe somewhat into the slot. A.J. Mm. Green kind of staying in his side of the field. You might see a bit more of that 12 personnel, but don't be shocked if Rondale Moore ends up kind of sliding right into that Christian Kirk role and getting a lot more downfield routes. That's something I think will be very interesting to see if they can use some Hollywood, some more in that jet sweep type of motion and then get both of those guys at least running a little more downfield. Rondale is my dude. I loved him coming out of college. He has a lot of Julio Jones in him. Like there is a lot of Julio to Rondale's game, and he was just so much fun to watch at Purdue. And they used him so well. Like uh, whatever Jeff Brom's doing up there in West Lafayette, uh, David Bell. You got Rondale Moore. He just knows how to turn his receivers into into just uh, Swiss Army knives. Like it's it's pretty cool to see. Um, in terms of Kyler, though, we have to talk about this, and Evan's going to enjoy this. I. Do you enjoy the Kyler experience? Like, are Cardinals fans in in the community, are they like, yeah, we'll keep running this back year every year. We'll keep doing these off seasons. We'll understand that this is just part of part of the deal. I think he's like the only quarterback who did not meet with the media and over, uh, what was it, OTAs. Um, and he's mercurial, I think is the best way to describe it. And he's a super talented player. He is someone that... Uh, you can win with. He is someone that I think a lot of franchises around the league would love to, and fan bases around the league would love to have Kyler Murray as their quarterback. But as someone who covers the team day in and day out and is locked in with other fans, like, is it enjoy? Is it is it enjoyable to go through this seemingly every off season now? Well, I think at least for some of it that's popped up like last year, I think there wasn't nearly as much that you think of. This year, the biggest reason why a lot of that popped up was mm. you reached year three, and then a lot of people looked at what Kyler Murray had and were comparing to, you know, the Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes. And most people, I think, can readily say that he's not quite at that level yet. 
Dude mm-hmm. doesn't have a playoff win. He clearly has been on a worse team. Like those two quarterbacks went to playoff teams. But when it kind of reaches that at some point, people do want to see you produce. Uh, and then on the other hand, I think you look at and say, what's the value of a quarterback at least to, you know, is able to go through, make those plays, ramp your way up to double digit wins. And clearly, like a lot of people um, can know, while the Cardinals did go two and one without Kyler Murray this year, you look at that one loss against the Carolina Panthers like, oh, that's that's why Colt McCoy is a backup. That's that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. that's right. I think the biggest area that it comes down to ultimately, at least, is with the Cardinals being a poverty franchise for so many years and Murray being like that smaller size, I think that Mm. there is definitely some level of trying to basically get that financial security locked in. And in a lot of regards, what really kind of matters ultimately is going to be keeping your franchise quarterback happy because unless you are one of those teams that's able to bring another guy in right away, it's really hard. The Cardinals moved on from Carson Palmer and basically invested multiple spots through everything they could at the position. They tried to go after Drew Brees when he was a free agent for 24 hours before going back to the Saints. They mm. tried to trade for Kirk Cousins. They signed you know, Sam Bradford, at least, and tried to hype him up saying, oh, this is our Kurt Warner reclamation project. And I'm like, all right, Giants, Giants Kurt Warner would have been complimentary mm. for that. And, of course, taking Josh Rosen because they did not really want to deal with the Lamar Jackson experience, which many fans wanted. And so then at some point you're like, how important is that franchise quarterback to you? Now, I think a lot of it has come down to where I think the Cardinals are going to pay. And mm. part of that's because when you look at where they've been at as a franchise, where they're having, what their direction has been, you probably would say it'd be easier for them to bet on Kyler Murray with Cliff Kingsbury from what you've seen than it would be to, say, trade him all afresh, start completely from scratch, and then hope that the GM that you have and the quarterback developer that you wanted to hire at least and try to get a head start on would be able to then suddenly bring it back and start over i think that that kyler is in a spot where like you said the biggest thing is going to be is he going to be happy in arizona i think that's really going to depend on can arizona make moves that will keep him happy is it going to be a move where they can kind of compete because a lot of the reputation of the bidwills has always been that they've struggled at wanting to spend at times some of that belongs to mike's dad Mm. Uh, i think that the other avenue of course is going to be you know, how well are they going to support him? Are they going to be able to get him an offensive line? Are they going to be able to invest? In the last couple of years, the Cardinals had chances to be able to bring in CeeDee Lamb with the eighth pick. Uh, a lot of people had wondered if that was a move they could make. They could have gone after an offensive lineman. Instead, they've got two first-round linebackers, and now the team essentially is going to live or die on defense with those two first-round linebackers. Uh, almost felt like it was apologetic as like, all right, Kyler, like, <laughs> we know that we've treated you poorly the last few years, so we're not just going to go and get you a wide receiver. We're going to get your dude, the guy who jumps onto Twitch streams with you, mm. who you've been working out in the offseason. We're going to trade for him, bring him into the fold. That's one of those things, at least I think, that the Cardinals are looking at because in a lot of ways, not to say that it's all about the quarterback, but Arizona in a lot of different ways has never really had this young franchise quarterback before. The last mm. time they did was Jake Plummer, and he promptly decided to leave and head out to Denver before starting on a wall ball or whatever it was career, I think, some type of uh, unique area of retirement for the most part that he went on. And that's pretty much been it for their franchise. They've had a lot of suffering for the most part. Teams and and fans have wanted to get to that Super Bowl. But I think what will probably happen, at least, is that they'll end up caving. I think that part of this offseason's hurdles came from 
at least from what we had heard talked about. Kyler and his camp were probably coming with a Dak Prescott type of deal. Cardinals didn't get back to him. I think they probably didn't want to have the general manager and head coach didn't want to see their quarterback signed and suddenly leverage would go as far yeah. as if Kyler wanted to move on. They got their deals wrapped up for the most part after ownership decided that they'd done enough at least for him to get those deals murray probably would have wanted to keep one or two of the players and when things kind of went sour i think that that's when the agent decided to you know drop the letter to the media push things out yeah. delete the instagram account normally i think when you're talking about players like debo or others there's some level of drama but when it's a quarterback suddenly the teams like the carolina panthers who are having to hope that sam darnold has like a miraculous season or mm-hmm. that jimmy garoppolo suddenly is available just to have hope I think that really caused a lot of a stir for the most part. And hmm. in some cases, I think Murray is probably going to end up regretting that because anytime something happens or anytime something has gone wrong, we see someone tweet out a picture of him in a baseball uniform. <laughs> and I so mean, that's do you just, think this is it? Like, if they don't make the playoffs this year, Kyler, like if they have a, ser- a season where it's like Cliff gets fired, we're looking at like 6-11, and 11, is this it for Kyler? Does he ask out? next offseason so first of all like kiff kingsbury just got another five-year contract yeah. extension so, like, so we're locking six, him in if it was six and eleven locking him in i always say like if there's zero and 17 or like some type of dramatic collapse never rule that out but like but like I three and 14 he's safe yeah oh yeah no and some of that That's even is, wild. If, it's, if it's but it's also it's like if it's three and 14 and kyler gets hurt then there's gonna yeah. be at least things that come into that but it is just part of the nfl too that you can say and some of that is when they locked up for that deal you know they decided to go with a five-year deal versus a two-year deal a three-year deal i think a lot of that pops up to you give them a two to three-year deal and extension okay yeah. like why did you give them the five-year if you don't give them that extension okay well now you're forcing them to prove it and then if they don't prove it then you're moving on but if you believed in them then why wouldn't you at least extend them so clearly you don't it's it's one of those areas that's really interesting the cardinals have wanted to get this type of stability for a while and whether it's going to be a stability they can live with it's going to be interesting i i do think however like let's say that cliff kingsbury goes out they go six and eleven like you said Uh they start out don't win as many games at first kind of make up a little bit with the d hop but then they drop a bunch of games down the street now you're talking about at least all right now this is going to be a spot where we've seen cliff three years in a row not be able to get stuff done in the second half you're seeing you know maybe the niners with trey lance pick up the the pace a little bit maybe they're not able to overcome you know some of what those rams have continued to do with matt stafford with sean McVay, who's pretty much owned the cardinals ever since he's gotten into the division even back with bruce arians Mm. i think it's after that second year you'll look for all of that so that would be the interesting spot because 2023 that year once it's finished will probably lead to i think at least kyler murray under contract Mm. needing to probably see some changes with the line we'll see if hollywood brown ends up getting extended then deandre hopkins at 31 or 32 is going to be looking at least for another contract extension of some sort you're starting to kind of see at least that there's going to be some cracks that will pop up for the most part and it's going to be very interesting to see how arizona will end up choosing to over the next couple of years you know, transition out of that rookie quarterback contract too. what I think is probably paying Kyler somewhere 45, maybe even north of that million dollars a year um, following, of course, the conclusion of his rookie deal. Evan, are you at all concerned about the Cardinals this year? On the not even for the a Niners? little bit. Oh, man. Never. Uh, I mean, I, like not even in a disrespectful way. Like there's nothing. I've Do you just... share that sentiment, Blake? Do you think that the Niners are going to be – Better than the nine or than uh, the Cardinals this year. Gosh, like I feel like this would have been the exact same conversation we could have had back in you know 2020 at least for that or 2021 coming into the season though. And yeah, the Cardinals ended up of course you know beating the Niners twice. Now 
Clearly, Ooh. there's differences that we saw with how Evan was in the building, which was it. Not I was in the building either. for that one too, and you know, as we were watching some of it, it's like I, I think you need to see some progress, obviously, from what we saw with that first year development. Lance being super raw, but of course, seeing the vertical threat, vertical elements, seeing all that talent on the Niners, how they were able to get to the NFC Championship game. You know, it's I not think- it's not very often that you can win a football game by running 16 QB powers, <laughs> yeah, uh, especially with a rookie quarterback. So I, I don't I don't recommend it, but. No, I mean, it was I, good. Like I said, the Cardinals needed to have a last minute. Kyler scrambles, throws the ball to DeAndre Hopkins to kind of put it away for the most part, since there was struggles. Now they were down two corners in the game, but and lost their starting center Rodney Hudson partway through. But Arizona, for that weird thing, a lot of people said, is this more of a fluke that we've seen? I think it's slow incremental progress, but like a lot of people have said, you know, maybe at that seven and O team was simply you have no chance when you lose DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt because when they did lose Hopkins and Watt. They really struggled to win a single game the rest of that season for the most part. I think the only only won two games, if I remember correctly, without Hopkins and Watt in the lineup combined. Uh, one of those, of course, being – actually, no, one of those was that Niners game with Colt McCoy, unfortunately. Gosh, Colt McCoy just seems to come back to punish, like, Seahawks fans and Niners fans. It's just it's a weird, weird dichotomy. Good career for him, though. Yeah, he's, it's been, he's, he's, it work. he's made his money. He's done well. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to, at least ultimately, like, the Niners have been able to put together a ton more talent. You see Kyle Shanahan has been able to be good. Arizona's kind of that team that, like, a pesky mosquito just doesn't seem to be able to go away. I think that the question is going to be, is Arizona going to continue to be able to build in some regards and be able to overcome, you know, like some of these suspensions? There's a lot we can talk about with Rodney Hudson, obviously. Are they going to be able to overcome that? And on the other side of the Niners, are we going to see that huge step forward, at least with Trey Lance, where we're going to actually see a far more dynamic offense versus, like you said, being able to have the because the quarterback at least that we saw even with the potential and everything coming out of college was so raw that you almost felt like you're probably going to need to at least this is my opinion I would have started Trey Lance for a year knowing no matter what happens you're probably going to end up at least seeing better results in the long term than you would in the short Mm -hmm. term I said I was probably wrong on that because the Niners made it all the way to that NFC championship game it's just hard to be able to say at least for the most part of where you held back as a result because of Garoppolo or was this a spot where the team was understanding that they were in a transitionary process. Maybe this is their Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick or I guess Alex Smith to Holmes or Alex Smith to whatever other quarterback he seemed to always hand the reins off to who is more talented. It's going to be very interesting this year, especially because I do think the Cardinals have had quite a few cracks and weaknesses that have come in, and they're probably going to be relying on their quarterback and some of those weapons to cover up for some of those weaknesses. Yeah. Evan, your team, we talked about a little bit here, we alluded to, um... A lot of drama this week. Uh, Julian Edelman talking about Jimmy G uh, on the Pivot Pod Pivot podcast this week. We had did that. You, uh, I, did you yeah. see my tweet? I did. I, I I worry sometimes, Blake. I send Evan stuff where I'm like, I don't know if I should send him these uh, things that I see Niners related because I know he's going to tweet about it, and one day it's going to be a problem where I'm responsible for sending him something. Well, that I had stir, a t- I had a to stir. I had it written out long before you mm-hmm. sent it. So we're okay, good. good. No, but I like the, the so okay so naturally like all they were doing was they were asking Julian Edelman about Bennett's comments right mm-hmm. like they're saying like Bennett was basically saying well like oh Jimmy was about to get traded or about to leave his agent wanted him to sit sit out and not risk his injury because you know whatever contract he might get yada 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 and then you know Julian Julian Edelman was asked about it right and Julian mm-hmm. Edelman is a guy that was with the Patriots the entire time, retired as a Patriot, right? Was always in the position that he was in basically from the start, right? Like, he was never competing with anyone. He was never worried about, like, 
Where is he going to go? You know, he always was like in this safe position. And then Bennett naturally is one of those people where it's like, you know, Bennett, he had been bouncing around, right? Like he hadn't really been in a settled place. He was looking for someone to take him post Seattle. Uh, You know, he had a bunch of one-year contracts eventually retiring. And they're sitting here like, I mean, basically, I mean, excuse my language, but calling Jimmy Garoppolo a pussy, you know, and like that was the word that Bennett used, right? And like it's it's a hilarious thing because as a player, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he played for the 49ers, has been one of the most like just gutsy, like tough quarterbacks I think in the NFL, uh, every single player, you know, and like, listen, is all of his teammates going to say Jimmy's the best quarterback in the NFL? No. But what do they always say? They're like, Jimmy is tough as nails. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's a great teammate. Like, he's got our back. He's a great leader. Like, and that, like, these are two guys that'll never be in the situation that Jimmy Garoppolo was in of, listen, you're behind Tom Brady. You're Mm -hmm. not winning this. You know, Kraft wants you to stay, or you know, what was it? Kraft wants you to whatever. Bill, mm. what, you know, Bill Belichick wants you to go, uh, but you're, you're not winning this battle, so they don't want you. I think it was flipped. I think Belichick wanted to keep him, and I think yeah, Kraft yeah, yeah. wanted him but, out. Yeah, but like, but basically, I'm sure the agents looking at him and going, "Listen, the, you're not beating out Tom Brady. They yeah. don't look at they don't look at you as the next up after Tom Brady. Like they just don't care." Right? They've got Jacoby Brissett. He's now all of a sudden a good backup. Like, you need to worry about yourself because you're not getting this next contract from the Patriots. Mm. They don't They don't see you as the next guy. They don't believe in you like that. It's Tom Brady. You, you know, that's a hard hill to, to, to climb. Mm. And so, like, to just sit there and be like, oh, all he cared about is, you know, himself. He didn't care about the team. It's like, well, the team doesn't really care about him. They look at him as a backup quarterback behind Tom Brady. Like, they, like, sure, they need him right now because Tom got injured. But, like, I just – I think when you look at the context, it was such an absurd concept. So that was kind of my point there. Um, it seems like it's just two different Jimmys where it's like San Francisco Jimmy where he's the starter and league guy. And then in New England, he's just the guy on the bench and was never seen as the guy. Like, it's just two different scenarios. And he's Jimmy asked to be two waiting. different kinds of guys. He was waiting. Yeah. He, was, he was in waiting to figure out, like, he's like, you know, think about Jimmy being drafted in the second round by the Patriots. You've sat behind Jimmy Garoppolo being coached by Bill Belichick and Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels, some of the best coaches in the NFL the last 20 years, the best, basically. You know, and you're like, all right, I'm ready. Like, when am I going to do it? Like, Tom Brady's 36. He's 37. <laughs> Guys, what is going on? Yeah. When is this man leaving? You know, and like, I think when you look at it from that perspective, I can see it. But then you, but, but like, regardless of what they say, it doesn't matter. You can't call Jimmy not tough mm-hmm. because everything he's done since he's been in San Francisco has been tough. He's played through a million injuries. He's taken huge hits. Like, he came back, he got a high ankle sprain and played two games later. Ask mm-hmm. any doctor in the world how long you're supposed to stay out for a high ankle sprain. It's not two games. So, I, you know, I think it's a non-factor. I think the reality is right now is... Jimmy Garoppolo is the only real story left to talk about this season. Like the Jimmy Garoppolo, the Baker Mayfields, right? Like everything's kind of settled in at this point. So they're yeah. like, well, what's going to happen? Right? We just want to know where they both end up, man. Right. There's- and that's that's the thing. 
My but, favorite that came out this week is the Cleveland Browns option, where it's like if Deshaun, if you're looking at a year suspension for Deshaun, potentially more. Like if you're looking for the ultimate stopgap, one year. Like if you think your roster's ready to win now, Jimmy G is the answer actually in Cleveland. He actually makes a bunch of sense. I just don't want good things for Cleveland. Uh, I don't either. Famous, I don't either. I just don't want them to be able to get out of this. They made their own bed. I want them to right. have to suffer the consequences the, of making these decisions. Like, the, I don't the, I don't want it. The one thing no. I will say is this. Like, Jimmy is Jimmy is in a terrible situation with the injury and also just, like, the way it all, like, ended up with the 49ers, right? Like, Jimmy literally, like, they, they go, well, we're going to – we want more. You know, we want a first-round pick or whatever it is they said. We're not taking anything less, yada, yada, mm. yada. They wait till the last second. Then he has to get surgery – all these things, um, I you know I think that Jimmy's side probably could have handled it better. I know the 49ers side could have handled it better. But, like, here we are. The options are almost non-existent at this point. It's like the Browns or the Panthers. But, like, for Jimmy, it's above and beyond the best choice. For Jimmy to be able to go in and have a really good roster and also a city that, you know, from a fan base perspective, let's not talk about the team because the team mm. – I wish nothing but bad things on them for the rest of their lives. Uh, but for the fans, like, I think they deserve a year of Jimmy, right? Like, if there's mm-hmm. one thing Jimmy is, he, you know, he is a professional. He is mature. He is going to say the right things. He's going to be that leader. And it's just like, dude, the, the the Browns fans are about to go through hell with Deshaun Watson. It's not, it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten almost only worse. And to be able to, like, bring in Jimmy for a year and then also for Jimmy to have that year and then, you know, kind of leapfrog into whatever his next spot is by like, hey, this is like, you know, my tryout. I'll show every other team what I can do. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a take on this that's similar, and this is kind of like just the way I think hey, of why the discussions here. So without comparing the two quarterbacks, because mm-hmm. obviously I think one of them is clearly superior – there was a reason, I think, when you look at where the Cardinals, they had Kyler Murray drafted, they had Josh Rosen on the roster, and the Kingsbury made a huge point about, we got to get Josh traded. Eventually, the, the GM was wanted to hold on for a first. He traded a first, third, and a fifth to get this guy. He wanted to make sure he could find at least a first back in value. Right. They did end up finally trading him, got him off of the roster, and essentially what that did was it cleared up any miscommunication people were going to have about Kyler Murray being the guy. Mm. And I think that's one of the areas that some cases maybe is a disservice of you kept Jimmy and so it's like all right here's precedent you saw it happen with Alex Smith before with Mahomes you've seen it happen other times this is a 20 year old kid that you just drafted who clearly is needing more time for seasoning the issue I think of course is that after that first year to be able to say all right we're going to go and make sure that we're getting back at least a second from or we think that this quarterback is worth this much and you see how the league has responded in kind for the most part I think that one thing is it not only has done a disservice, I think, to San Francisco by essentially making things so muddied for the fan base because you get fans who are now having to say, well, Jimmy this or Trey Lance this versus simply, hey, Trey Lance is going to be the guy. We're not even going to worry about Jimmy as a backup or having any type of winning the job back, just keeping it nice, clear, and concise. And I think it would have also been able to provide perhaps at least a better option if they had been able to even say, hey, teams are only offering a fourth-round pick. Well, guess what? 
if Jimmy's going to go to a team, at least it's offering a fourth, like the Panthers or something like that, and has a chance to not only come in and maybe save Matt Rule's job, potentially, because that man is the guy who said, yeah, let's go trade for Sam Darnold. Great idea. And is really regretting a lot of that right now. It's something that he may have had a chance to be the guy for each of those, maybe earn a second contract with some of that versus being considered a stopgap, because some quarterbacks go in to be the stopgap. I think of Ryan Tannehill with the Titans, and suddenly, next thing you know, he's their main option moving forward, and it's just how it works out sometimes. Can you imagine, we've already talked about this on this pod before, but like just in the context of where we're at right now, can you imagine if the Panthers, uh, you know, or the Colts last year, I think the Colts are a great example, would have said, hey, let's really, let's trade the same or more for Jimmy Garoppolo that they did for Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold. Yeah. Like, can you imagine either of those those two teams right now? Like, the Colts the Colts won. Like, they, they have a really good quarterback. They're in a better situation right now. Matt Ryan is... I mean, it still cost them their playoff berth last year, though. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, it's ultimately saying, the difference like, in them making the playoffs. Right yeah, now, Falcons the Colts... Fans are, a lot. Okay, the, hold the Colts on. are in hold a good on. situation right now. <laughs> but that's oh, my point. Sorry. But... You know, the, the, the Panthers, and, and like, it's the same thing. These are teams that literally bet on a, you know, oh, the, maybe the, the ceiling, the ceiling, the ceiling, yeah. the best case scenario. And they got the worst case scenario. So, you know, it I hope. like those don't really work out very often. The second team for the, the early first rounder who didn't work in stop one. Like, the reclamation projects seem to be uh, pretty, pretty unlikely to pan out on team number two. The very it's very interesting too because there is at least some precedent for seeing some of those quarterbacks, but it comes across with the Jimmy Garoppolo Trey Lance comparison, which I think yeah. is even the same area of you know the Alex Smith type of comparison is a great one. Why did two teams who were playoff teams and really hardy contenders with him want to move on? Because you look at the elite quarterbacks throughout the league when teams take away everything schematically, take things away uh, talent wise, that arm is going to be able to show through it. The legs have to be able to show through it. We're playing true eleven on eleven football, and ultimately, I think that's one of the reasons why you look at the Niners. They wanted to have an available quarterback when Kyle has had Jimmy Garoppolo healthy they've been ultimately a dominant force in the NFL when he's not been healthy or not available because he's not able to whether it's running getting away or just taking some of those hits we've seen ultimately how the Niners and his like I think at one point this year we even were joking about how Cliff Kingsbury had actually passed up um Kyle Shanahan in win totals at one point during the year Hmm. because not only did he beat him head to head but because you look at the availability and say oh he said Kyler Murray play in all but basically three games and those three games that he didn't have him they had a capable backup who was probably like a Jimmy Garoppolo light in Colt McCoy Hmm. who was able to at least get the job done not for a degree of carrying the team to an NFC championship game like Jimmy has been able to but being able to at least overcome some of that get by and then get your quarterback healthy and yeah I think that's really what it comes down to in the NFL is that teams are going to continue to make some of those bets on those guys who have those physical traits because at the end of the day, those physical traits are the ones that do end up winning out. It's just one of the places, at least, of why you can see those quarterbacks. You're like, all right, let's take a look at the 2018 draft class. And you're like, wait, you're telling me that the guy who ran that fast in Lamar, the guy who ran that fast in Allen, went after those two Pac-12 guys for the most part? Well, at least one of those Pac-12 guys. and. It's and that guy out of Oklahoma, like I get the Baker love out of Oklahoma for all of that, but man, like for a lot of those little guys who was there running around, you could tell that he's a guy who loved to play like Kyler Murray, but didn't really have the legs of Kyler Murray for the most part, or even the arm of Kyler Murray. And I think that's where it is in the NFL is ultimately it comes down to the reason why teams have given up those picks or tried to move on for those avenues. And 
it's really been an interesting debate to see because the only guys who've kind of made it on those second teams are ones you're like, oh, Ryan Tannehill, this is great. He gets to go and run a play-action game off of, you know, Derrick Henry running up the middle. And when you take that away, you can really see him get exposed in the playoffs or seeing some of those quarterbacks for the most part who end up, you know, like a Drew Brees was basically wrecked, ruined as the Chargers, ended up getting failed out in Miami and suddenly was able to be in an offensive coordinator who decided to have him check it down however many times to these running backs and was able to make an effective passing offense work despite Breeze, you know, not being able to chuck it 60 yards down the field. It's all about being able to attack in the NFL and force the defense to have multiple things to account for. And I think Trey Lance brings a dimension in being able to have that deep ball that Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't. Debo, though, has not rescinded his trade offer because Evan cannot have nice things. Evan is not allowed to have a normal off season. And that was not a, that's not an actual storyline. So you don't think it's still something to monitor? No. Okay. Like, I mean, so once again, like I was talking about this earlier, what about the but over like, under the over under a year and a half. No, Debo no, no, Samuel no, no, no. still on this roster. No, 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 We're not doing this. We're not doing <laughs> this. The, the, the thing that they said was, Oh, well he hasn't, uh, you know, rescinded his trade request. It's mm-hmm. like, what does that even mean? Debo goes, hey, I, I want to be traded. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers were like, okay, we'll check it out. Hey, hey everyone, who wants to uh, <laughs> trade for Debo? Well, you know, he, he was one of the best offensive players in the NFL last year, one of the best wide receivers. Like, uh, we're probably going to need a first and a third, something like that. One team goes, how about we swap firsts? No. Mm. Uh, hey, Debo, no one wants to pay anything near what we're, what you're worth. But the problem with that, too, is it's just that, like, they'll pay it, but you have to agree to being used to how you were just used in San Francisco, but, and you don't like, want to be that player anymore. But, but that's it's just my, a weird, but it's a weird thing. But that's my point. So then yeah. Debo goes, oh, no one wants me for that. That's I'm yeah. not getting traded. And then he goes back to the team, and he goes, hey, my agent's going to continue negotiations with you. He didn't technically go, hey guys, I've rescinded my trade agreement. <laughs> like, do you, what do you, do you need to write it? Like, does he need to send a letter? Does he need to get it notarized? I mean, just like, tell the team, like, through the agent, just like, hey, we're, but, we're good for another year. We'll but, revisit it next year. But my point is, is like, he's locked in for this fall. No, just the, the headline, the article. Mm. Like, what, what, like, hey, uh, source. Mm. Has Debo officially rescinded his trade agreement? No. Does that mean that anything's changed? Like, the headline in itself is just a clickbait bull whatever. We don't swear on the Chase Thomas podcast. I, the only time I ever go as long without swearing is on Chase's podcast. Um, but like, It's very like, impressive right now. So far, I've only had one caution, at least, that I've been on here for the most part. So this has been great. But, like, no, really, though, like, are we all on the same page? for everybody. Are we all on the same page? This is not a real story. They are Mm. just taking the technicality that he hasn't hasn't rescinded the trade request. Like, that's like me going. It's just too much smoke for me. It's just, I don't think this lasts long. And now we're seeing how early, like, the A.J. Browns of the world moved, where I'm just like, he's out of there. Like, if it's not this year, it's next year. You are buying. This is literal clickbait and you're buying into it with like just, like no no stopping he's never like, going to want to live in santa clara it's dog. never going to happen first off he's that not going to want he it he doesn't he doesn't want to he's going to sign this extension because mm-hmm. he does not have a choice yeah 
No other team wanted him. They could have traded for him. No one was going to pay a first and a third and then also sign him for $25 million a year. Like, it wasn't going to happen. He understood that. Like, so, like that, once again, I feel like I, I, I don't know that the point maybe got driven home to you. <laughs> Debo wasn't asked if he's going to rescind his trade mm-hmm. request. And then he goes, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. They are just... Oh well, Debo technically hasn't rescinded his trade trade request. We got to go ahead and write an article on that. Debo has not rescinded the tra- like nothing has changed. There's been nothing different from two months ago when they decided. Oh, no one's going to pay for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to continue negotiations for contracts. He's going to sign an extension. Period. Nothing's yeah. changed. That that headline, that article is all is all nonsense. It was just someone trying to write an article. Do you know it's not uh, nonsense, Evan? I looked at, I don't know if you guys have done this yet, but for folks who have not gotten to this point, I highly encourage the NFL fans. Take If you're wondering about betting on the Kansas City Chiefs in 2022, go ahead and take peruse that schedule. Because I had like, heard rumors that it was bad. And then you actually look at it, and I think it's the worst schedule I've ever seen. I, I really think it's the <laughs> worst schedule I've ever seen for a team that's trying to win the title. Well, I mean, like, could you look at me and say, after the AFC West like smoke settled this off season and we all saw the powerhouses that are in that AFC West. And yeah. you, w- would anyone be surprised for me to me to go, Hey guys, the AFC West teams are going to have a hard time, but it's not just that. Okay. Can I read this schedule? Evan, like, I don't know if you've seen it, like you have it in front of you, but this schedule, it opens with our guy's team right here. It's about to say, yeah, uh, one of the worst schedules you've ever seen. Obviously who wants to face Cliff and Kyler in week one on the road? Clearly like, you well, know. no one wants that. Like D hop would make that more menacing. And that was out the, of the biggest game. one about all of that. But yeah, it's yeah. also going to be interesting to see how that secondary looks because with no Tyreek and yep. how the Cardinals defense is, you know, you're you, assuming you guys, JJ Watt will be back there for week mm-hmm. one, but continue. let's not, let's not do this. The chiefs are going <laughs> to steamroll the Cardinals. I don't think that's locked in. So you, you guys, I, they're going to have to adjust. The Once again, let's adjust not, gonna... this is not a negative, like, this is not like me trying to poke fun at the Cardinals. This is me, like, as, like, take emotion out of it entirely. The Chiefs are a better roster. The Mahomes is, like, the Chiefs are going to steamroll the Cardinals. As they okay. brought in Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. D-Hop is gone. Counterpoint. I was yeah. told the same thing Uh-oh. back for week one of 2020. Mm-hmm. and the Cardinals went over on the road and beat the Niners, and we predicted that they would because we saw that the Niners were a bit not just overconfident, but the Cardinals' game plan of offseason giving time. They, at least when King, Cliff Kingsbury has shown that there's been time for prepping and going through, they've actually come up and had a great game plan. He is undefeated so far in all of the home season openers. Now, granted, that's because they tied in week one when they looked kind of miserable against that's the Lions a wild and managed stat. to come back to it. Yeah. But he's undefeated in season openers. Even this year, people were like, Titans, playoff team, Cardinals getting on the road, they're going to get roasted, and they won by five touchdowns in that game. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think you the... roll it out for that one, but a lot of, like I said, is the Cardinals, I said, it's that mosquito that's nicking at you for the yeah. most part, where you're like, what I'll say is, do I pick the Cardinals to win? I'm like, I think that they could be one. And I said, could they lose? Sure. Could they win and, or, you know, maybe win the next week against the Raiders for all of that stuff, at least with Vegas, Derek Carr. You've got Devontae Adams in there, sure, but could I see them going one and one? The and it being a coin flip in which game? I, I could, at least. The, the 49ers, since Alex Smith in 2011, have been above and beyond the most successful team at blowing games they should win. <laughs> there is no team in the NFL that, that has lost more winnable games. The 49ers, like, 
I am obviously biased. Yeah, but I, I, I watched, watched the Atlanta Falcons. I, not no, 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 dive no, 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 no. I have Chargers, I, Cardinals yeah. are up there too. <laughs> maybe the Chargers. Maybe Chargers, the Chargers might be number one here. Maybe, but I don't yeah. think so because the 49ers have lost two Super Bowls, two NFC championships. They've lost games against teams with Colt McCoy as the starter twice. <laughs> like I, my point is this: yes, absolutely. When the when the Cardinals beat the 49ers in the opening week. Was should they have won? Probably not. But the Forty ers in twenty twenty were an absolute mess. Yeah, this is not the Forty ers They are not playing Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not playing the Forty ers and all of the curses that go along with that team. They're playing. They're. I mean, they're playing Thanos. It's. We don't know though. Patrick they're not going to be the same. I think there is a drop. I don't think there's a way around there not being a drop from Tyreek to Juju and. Uh, MVS. Like, I just don't think there's a way around that. I think there's going to be a drop. And then you look at this schedule. So, like, you go to Arizona. Great. Cliff like, knows be- Patrick. Now, he also may know everything he, he does well, and he may do it, but that'll be an interesting read because Andy Reid also wins yeah. all his home openers, too. So, like, have they said, played this yet? Is, uh, they have not played yet. The last That's time wild. the Cardinals played the Chiefs, it was the Josh Rosen era on the road. And so, you're talking about that was kind of the game that when people watched it, the Cardinals actually yeah. gave the Chiefs a tough time in that game. And then Mahomes threw two late touchdowns, and Josh Rosen, I believe, threw a pick six on a screen that ended the game. So, that's really oh how the 2018 God. Cardinals were essentially that team that even in the games that they had a slight chance of winning and weren't getting blown out they would of course find a way to blow it in the last seconds <laughs> well you've got cardinals september 11th right and then you got um the chargers on the 15th Thursday at night football yes then you go to indianapolis to tampa bay vegas at home buffalo at home at san francisco tennessee at home and then great you get a little breather with jacksonville on november 13th then you go to Chargers, Rams at home, on the road in Cincy, on the road in Denver, on the road in Houston, and then the Seahawks and Broncos, Raiders to wrap. Like, that is a mer- – like, the start that the Chiefs are going to have next year – like, go ahead and lock it in. The start for the 2022 Chiefs is going to scare the crap out of a lot of people. The- you're looking at, like, 1-5, and 2-6, and six, something like that. They are going to have a rough start here. They're not going to be favored in some games that people think they're going to be favored in. I think they're in for a rude awakening, and I don't think the Chiefs... I think we've seen the last of just dominant 15-2 and type Chiefs years. I think Tyreek is going to really hurt, and when you look at how deep that division is now, I've bet on the Broncos winning this division. I think they have the best schedule for it. I think they betting on this group is the way to go. But, man, you look at this schedule, I... I don't know. That is rough. That number I, one I, seed is rough. They play the yeah. Rams. They play the Broncos. And like we said, I'm excited for this year because for the first time we're seeing perhaps the two best divisions in the NFL play each other. And yes, also, yeah. of course, the NFC West is playing the NFC South, which means you're going to get Tom Brady, of course. Yeah. So it's going to be really and fun Desmond to Ritter. see those games. And Desmond Ritter. People hey, forget. let's let's not forget at least about the Jameis Winston QB one, which of yeah. course is and fantasy hearts everywhere. I think at least you know interceptions I... <laughs> don't count for for two points negative when you throw a pick at least for Jameis. And so fantasy championships decided by that pick six in that final season was, yeah. with the Bucks. Ah, glorious, glorious. But you never know. I mean, he's just throwing dimes in Green Bay. Like it's just I I don't know. Jameis the 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 roller coaster that is a Jameis Winston quarterback led team is fun for the NFL. I think but, it's enjoyable. Let's. I want to finish up with the, the Chiefs thing. I hate the Chiefs. I don't really hate <laughs> the Chiefs, but they beat they beat the Niners in the Super Bowl. So yeah. I'm obviously not a Chiefs fan. Let's say that. Yeah. I'm not a Chiefs fan. The Chiefs are going to beat the Cardinals. They'll probably lose to the Chargers. 
They're going to beat the Colts. They're going to beat the Bucks. They're going to beat the Raiders. They'll so you have two or three upsets the... there because they're not favored in the Bucks game. And they're not favored in the Colts game. I don't care that whether or not they're favored. Like I, know, I understand. I understand where everyone wants to give the Bucks. You know, the the winning the Super Bowl, but like, I. Uh, I, I feel like I'm the only person that at this point that ever wants to say this, but like I I'm not worried about the Bucks this year. Ooh. I'm not. Tom, I'm not worried about the Bucks. I'm not worried about Tom Brady. Like Gronk is gone, but is he really gone? Like I, I'm just. If they not. need him in Week Ten, Gronk's back. I'm sure, but but like, you know, the Bucks last year at towards the end of the season was what I was always going to expect out of the Bucks with Tom Brady. I was really surprised that they won the Super Bowl that year, but like, the Chiefs. Unless something really, really happens to throw something us did off. happen. Tyreek Hill got traded. He's Dog, gone. Their best player is gone. I understand that that Tyreek Hill is a great receiver, but like Tyreek Hill had Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. I mean, where it, would Tyreek Hill have been with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback? I, mean, I think he Tyreke, was pretty good with Alex Smith. Too. I was going to say Alex Smith is a, Alex Smith is a pretty damn good long long like deep ball oh, yeah. thrower. Yeah, like, I think Tyreek Hill one. made both lot. I think it was a simpatico mm-hmm. relationship where they helped each other out a lot, yeah. like I, in different ways. If after the first uh, seven games of the Chiefs season, yeah. if they have more than two losses. Uh, oh, lock I'll, that in. Seven I, games? We need to come up with a bet what on What do we this. got? Lock so the, that in. One, yeah. two, two, three, four, five, six. No. Oh, they're going to play the Niners. Never mind. I thought it was the Titans. So, yeah. The first, uh, I'll say eight games, three yeah. losses. At I'll most. take the over on that. Yeah, and, and then how about this? Mm. Shock, we'll shotgun a White Claw for... Can you even shotgun Charity? a White Claw, old man? Okay, that's enough. I'll be 30. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? After that, I will be a married man by that point. I know. I'm so excited. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I was about to fun. say, the one bet that we've always had that's been fun that we did mm. in the past, you basically have to put it on your Twitter account that you have to either shotgun a beer or just down some type of a beverage. And it's not like it's a mixture. Like, yeah. it's an actual cocktail. But we had someone who's like, all right, you got to do, like, a rum and coke with this trashy rum and this, like, Ooh. big K cola. And you had to basically Ooh. just down the whole thing. Those are fun because then it's like, all right, you That's still rough. get alcohol, you get a bit of tipsy, you know, it's trashy for that one. But at least, you know, then you get to see a little bit of suffering. And it's, <laughs> more fun. it's more fun than like someone changing your Twitter profile picture avatar to be like, all right, here's a picture of Patrick Mahomes for Evan for the week. It's like, yeah. those aren't fun. Like, do I, something at least it's fun. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, 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 I gotta say. As a White Claw fan, uh, you know... As, Hold on. Just to be clear. You need for full disclosure. You're not just a fan. You're an influencer. You're like a White Claw. What is your actual title? You Brand can't say ambassador. fan. Brand ambassador. Uh, yeah. No, my point is this. I'm 34 years old. Uh, I am long past the, the, the age of where I'm going to drink trash alcohol. I'm better than that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's why it's the He's, bet. That's where it's yeah. there. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's fun at least for the most part. But no, sometimes but, it'll be like everyone's voting for you to have a four loco and someone happens to have an old four loco lying around. You're like, all right, you know, here you go. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this because you have a Waffle House hat on, Chase. It's, for, my, my, it's a delicacy. I will say I'm no I'm pushing more than, for it at the reception of my wedding. I will say no more than three losses mm-hmm. in eight games. You're going to say over. Yeah. I will say for every one loss or win that we were wrong on, we have to eat five pancakes. Oh, I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Real full size pancakes. Okay. 
And we have to record it, though. It has to right, be right, one hundred percent. And you yeah. can't leave with the establishment <laughs> until you're done. So if you if you got ten pancakes, you sit down and eat until you're done. How about I do waffles for mine? Because I'm a waffle. I, like, I was not asking. Oh, okay, okay. It's pancakes, dog. <laughs> so you're sending waffles me to IHOP. Waffles are easy. Are they? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I've never they're, they're, done the side by side. Pancakes know are heavier. larger. Okay. I've just seen the Rock pound them. Like he stacks them like the the whole like crazy stack of pancakes that the Rock. Carbo loads on. Um, we'll end on this. First coach fired. I thought this was pretty interesting from Bet Online. Um, those odds are out uh, in 2022. Uh, I'll go ahead and say the top like 10, 11, 12 is just not real with Rabel, Arthur Smith, and Robert Sala. Right. But I do think this is super interesting because there are some names that kind of stunned me. Because uh, someone's going to get fired. We just like to, but like, unfortunately, that's just the nature of this industry. The nature of the beast is like someone will lose their job. Like someone we don't expect, and you're like, there's no way. Um, but the list: Matt Rule, number one, plus three hundred. Number two, Mike McCarthy, plus five hundred. Pete Carroll, number three, plus six hundred. Frank Wright, uh, plus seven hundred. Number four, Ron Rivera at number five at plus eight hundred. And then Kevin Stefanski at uh, uh, plus uh, 10, uh, 10 to 1. And then my favorite, though, is Dan Campbell 10 to 1, mm. where I have been banging this drum, Blake. Yeah. And Evan and I are on different pages. And a lot of people, like, we, everybody loves Dan Campbell. I like Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. If you're going 32 games or 34 games now with Jared Goff as your quarterback, 34 we're looking at here, the win percentage is going to be bad. The win percentage, and they've done a lot of good this offseason. Like, I love their draft, and they did a really great job there. But I've always been concerned of, like, if you're three, like, if the offense is bad again, and you really don't have a quarterback, and you run this back, like, in today's NFL, where everything, like, if you don't have that exciting quarterback, it's really hard to get fans and ownership to buy in, where they're looking around the league, they're like, everybody's got a quarterback now. Everybody's got a fun offense, and we're going... 3-14, and 14, just building this culture, building this thing out, and the defense getting a little bit better at a time. Like, Jeffrey Okuda's fun. What a great story. But if we're not getting the wins and people don't want to come see us and they don't want to see these games, like, that's a problem. Like, I just – I think it's a hard sell because there's only so many of these NFL games that it's just – I think it's a really tough sell, and I believe in Dan Campbell's vision. I'm just not sure he's going to be able to see it through because I don't know if he's going to get the offense where it needs to be in time. I think there is this, like, threading the needle here where you've got to show that, like, this can compete with the Aaron Rodgers of the world quick because the Vikings are going to be good this year, and I don't see a path um, to this guy. Maybe Justin Fields is over there in Chicago, so if he pops a little bit, that makes things a little bit more concerning. But you did not take a quarterback again this year, and he went on record. It's like you can win. I believe you can win without a elite uh, quarterback and I think we'll see but that's why I do think he's not the favorite but he's someone to monitor I think Matt Rule is the most just like obvious but for you Blake is that the number one that pops for you from that list or do you have someone else that you think is number one so here's two things I think that you could say and sometimes what I'll look at is with coaches and what you do is you give coaches the same record and then ask what their security is because that seems to make a lot of sense like okay. if Bill Belichick goes 3-13 and you're not firing Bill Belichick so clearly yeah. that's one of the safe zones right. if you said that the Detroit Lions went 3-13 and with Dan Campbell and Mike McCarthy went 3-13 and with the Detroit hmm. with the Dallas Cowboys McCarthy's gone because like, right. the expectations right. are so much higher right. I think with the new GM coming in I think that they're going to get more patience you can even see it in how they gave up a ton of picks to up against Jamison Williams, who's not mm. even going to play for like you know half of the season at least. I yeah. think that they're looking at some of the long haul there, where I could see that being a place 
that they are probably going to be getting a few more years at least. Now, it's obviously with the new GM in tow, that's going to be a big part of it. I think when you look at established GMs or owners like Jerry Jones that's there, and then you look at, or the opposite, which would be, you know, sometimes you'll get these first-time one-year head coaches, and things just are terrible. Like, it's a yeah. train wreck. It's awful. The one name that's not mentioned on there that I think would be probably the one I would look at just because of the odds would hmm. be Matt Eberflus. Because if you take oh, a look wow. at Chicago, You're it's one? a train wreck. So here's why. If it's a he's a defensive head coach and it's one of the worst offenses. You're gonna Arizona in the Cardinals him? You're so gonna Steve Wilkes him? Well that's the case. If they Steve yeah. Wilkes him and you've got that, the other thing also, of course, is if Justin Fields goes out and doesn't show any progress or improvement, yeah. you're gonna be like, Okay, your choice yeah. is gonna be you fire the head coach or you bring in an experienced veteran offensive coordinator. They haven't gone out and pursued or got any wide receivers to help him. Tevin Jenkins but, is apparently still beat up. It's not, not and this is the thing. Not to say that it would be maybe how, the I, first I like coach this fired. Thing. But yeah, but that's what we're talking he, about though. His first odds, coach fired. But here's the thing, the odds in being the first coach fired. He's got lower odds to be the first coach fired than Arthur Smith, who's going to probably be playing Desmond Ritter like, you know, week yeah. 10 well, or 11 but that's or so. the thing. I like those odds really, really well for the most part. Considering it's a good value bet. It's a really good value bet for the most part. If you had to say who's the first coach to be fired, I think it really is going to come down to can Matt Rule with whatever else goes through get a little bit more structure at least in place to be able to show that despite giving the seven-year deal, despite all these different choices he's made where the team is just devoid of a quarterback, yeah. is the expectation for him to say, all right, you got to start showing results, or are they going to give like, all right, we're going to, you know, well, Detroit Lions, you will give it another year. Like you said, someone has to get fired. Now, the other one that I would say that stands out to me on this list would be a little bit of a surprise, but you never can rule out anything happening with the Washington Commanders because not mm. only is it something that is with their crazy owner with all this other stuff coming up, you look at even the Jack Del Rio stuff that suddenly came up and became a, a national headline despite no one really anticipating that it would. Yeah. They got Carson Wentz at quarterback. If there is anyone who seems to be an offense or at least a coach killer for the most part, Carson Wentz has kind of been that guy where he got Doug Peterson canned. You looked at how the Colts essentially just trashed him on the way out the door. Now mm. he's going to be in a Washington team for the most part that is probably holding on to Rivera. If there ends up being kind of a tussle, if he plays poorly, maybe they end up having it where the owner, he goes to ownership, is like, hey, you got to get me a better coach. Like Something could happen with Carson Wentz. I think that right now if I had to pick the coach to pick, I would pick rule it's the easy choice for the most part McCarthy mm. obviously a clear second choice I think that you could say Rivera should probably be a little higher up considering that Pete Carroll like the Seahawks chose him essentially Pete Carroll deserves to like just retire like you yeah. cannot yeah. Uh, you cannot that's fire the whole that place man. at least you, you don't, don't want to fire retire. him they're tied yeah. to that giant contract he would have to give some money back if I'm Pete I look at that and say oh you mean I get paid you know like 10 million dollars a year to put up whatever Seattle Seahawks product goes on the field cool like I, I think that's a fantastic yeah. thing for Pete I want to retire in his time hell yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I'm just, here's I'm, the thing. I've been saying it's it's very curious with the Bears because I am a person who has said I'm a Justin Fields fan. I've advocated. Yeah. I said that I think that he can be the guy. But if you're not going to offer a support system, that's clearly how quarterbacks end up losing or basically kind of you've got a couple of years to cement that in the NFL. I think that if you look at Kyler Murray, if he hadn't gotten DeAndre Hopkins when he did, there's mm. probably a chance Arizona could have failed him in that regard. That's why I look at that and say the odds for him, for the most part, of the Bears just being like a train wreck that just is a mess defensively, a mess on offense, and they just say, all right, like, we, we got to go ahead here and get an offensive guy. If they could, I think that could be the one Steve Wilkes type of situation. That's interesting, man. I had not considered that at all. It, it I like could that. Be, and it's, most people have not thought that for the most part. Mm -hmm. Hey, if they go out week one, 
Justin Fields, he's got no weapons to throw to. He's behind a porous offensive line. They just got rid of Khalil Mack. Like, that could be one of those teams that ends up with a really, really high pick. I don't know if it'd be the number one pick necessarily, but, man, that that's one of those spots that I've said. It could be fun where you're like, oh, you get a 6-10 and 10 type of team. Justin Fields picks up a little bit. You see some things happening. Maybe they got the right guys in place. Or that could be just a dumpster fire because of just them having to reset everything. Guys, Mm. The, if the question is who is going to get fired first, mm. we talked about the Chiefs' schedule. Here's the Panthers. Ooh, here we go. The mm. Saints. Mm. Maybe a coin flip, right? Cardinals. I think the Cardinals should win that game. I think the Saints should probably win, but let's let's say they're they're kind of coin flips. I, I mm. could see uh, either team could win. I'll say, I'll say this: Panthers have beaten the Cardinals with Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury every single year. Yeah, I, huh. Which I is get funny. That. Like, and it's not been close. That's the funniest part about all of it. Like the Texas Panthers, forever. Blew, they well, blew out the Cardinals with Kyle Allen. They blew out the Cardinals with Teddy Bridgewater, and then they blew out the Cardinals with Cam Newton running in for two touchdowns and like the one healthy Christian McCaffrey game fantasy owners got. That will be really funny if the Cardinals. Cardinals like start out zero and three and then play the Panthers like that would be kind of the moment of reckoning of like all right like this is going to be like you know this is the yeah. re- moment of reckoning you got to beat Matt Rule because if you fall to zero and four then that's when all bets are kind of off as far as for you know you don't want to have one of those like type of seasons where you get off to that poor start and then like you know I said zero and seventeen is like maybe the one exception that that would be kind of on the way toward one of those like eh, type of seasons. If so, I'll say this: if Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. Nothing I say is matters right now because I mm. I completely changed my opinion on this. I th- if Jimmy's the starter, all bets are off. But if it's not Jimmy and if it's a Sam Darnold or whatever it is they have on the roster right now, Matt Corral, baby, let's go. Whatever POs forever. Uh, the Saints and the Cardinals, whatever. Forty ers Rams, Bucks, Falcons, Bengals, Falcons, Ravens, Broncos, like. If the question is what head coach is fired first, I just I just racked off eight to ten loss potential losses right there. Mm-hmm. So if it's the first, it's it's definitely Matt Rule. But I, I I will tell you, in terms of who is guaranteed to get fired this year, mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy's at the top of the list. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree with those. If you're, and that's where the the topic said odds to be the first coach. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I like the long yeah. odds for all of that as like a surprise one. Maybe they hold on a bit, or even like you said, maybe it's like we get through week one, week two, and then they trade for Jimmy. Oh, well, suddenly you know all the people who are looking at least and took the Panthers for the most part of having a one in fifteen or one I should say one in sixteen now type of season. And like we said, like the hardest part for Cardinals fans at least, like even though my heart is happy that Arizona is going to have at least a prime time game, I'm still sad that Tom Brady had to come back to ruin a Cardinals team playing the NFC South that all of a sudden went from being, oh, these are some winnable games, you got the Bucks, you got all this stuff to, and all right, so now we're, we're playing the Bucks on Christmas, and it's going to be during that Kingsbury second half of the schedule when obviously things seem to go downhill for Arizona the last couple of years. Right. My favorite value is probably Kevin Stefanski with Cleveland. Like, I, I could see him being a fall guy. Just with, if Deshaun's gone for the year, and they go Jacoby Brissett. No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't mean to interrupt, Chase. I yeah. love you to death, but think about this. Mm-hmm. They are not getting rid of any head coach right now because then they have to go, hey, do you want to come be the head coach of the Browns with Deshaun Watson? Yeah. No one. No one. Kevin Stefanski uh, is you good want, enough. Could you have a Jacoby Brissett? Well, we hope that things get better with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Stefanski is, is good enough that no one is going to – they're not going to risk having that type of 
you know level of head coach. Who's gonna join the, that team if they? Oh, don't... I have one guess. You got a guess? Brian Flores. Brian Flores is not going to that I had, team. I had, a, I had a funnier one, actually. Mm-hmm. Bill, o, Bill O'Brien. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Bill O'Brien just comes back to Sean's like, no, I thought yeah. I escaped you. And then Bill O'Brien just comes walking back in through that door. He's like, hey, guys. So yeah. mm-hmm. that God. would be the one. Though. But no, you're you're completely right. I think that they've got like some of the most secure jobs in part because, like you said, like whatever happens with this thing, they're going to go down with the ship at least, or mm-hmm. they're going to end up treading water until the Browns can prove that this was kind of the, the spot they had to make. I, it's it's not that you feel like that they should be secure, yeah. like you said, but like you, it's one of those places of you're not going to find anyone who's going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. It'd right. be some other staffer who like would probably be like unwillingly almost promoted to head coach. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to get like a scout for the, for the, yeah, I don't even, like for the Jaguars is going to be the head coach. Like an assistant scout is the only person who will take the job. They'll be running offensive play calls from Twitter. Like, all right, guys, if you want us to run power right, just four verts. Retweet. (laughs) Just four verts back to back to back. Three plays in a row. Retweet for screen pass. Favorite for four verts. All right, guess we're running four verts every play, guys. There you go. Blake, what can the good folks check out from you at Revenge of the Birds and everything else going on on your end this week? Yeah, so I just went over out with Revenge of the Birds, just actually published mm-hmm. an article on this about the Cliff Kingsbury, why I think that the odds are fake uh, for that spot, because like he just got a five-year extension. I think if you're going to talk about firing Cliff outside of some sort of enormous 0-17 train wreck, you got to be talking about 2023 with it. I talked about how he can overcome the three different ways that he has to kind of overcome the narrative, which is, you know, winning without D-Hop pretty much has mm-hmm. to be shown, being able to kind of... I guess you can say not just necessarily weather the storm down the backstretch, but just, you know, if he can go five and four down the backstretch with it being a really tough schedule, like, again, the Bucks, the Broncos, the Chargers, Patriots and Monday Night Football, playing the Niners again in week 18, if they can overcome and kind of go five and four in the last eight, getting a boost in that middle of the schedule, then you're at least, all right, now you've proven you can at least not just collapsing down the stretch and then winning a playoff game. That's, like, the biggest three things because right now everything that's kind of been knocked on Cliff, he's at least turned the Cardinals around from where they were under the Steve Wilkes era. It just hasn't really hit all of the different buttons that people have wanted to see in a head coach taking over, you know, the likes of Kyler Murray, Hopkins, even when Fitzgerald was on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of taking a realistic look and saying, hey, there's a positive outcome you can find of this for Arizona. There's also a negative outcome where you talk about, like, either it's the end of the beginning, like you get to see Cliff kind of get cemented, or it's the beginning of the end, and we start talking about him continuing to be on the hot seat and maybe even hotter heading into 2023. There you go. There you go. Evan, what about you? Anything you'd like to plug? We got Evan Sowards back on uh, Twitter.com. I, I know. I just I, I don't do that as we wrapped up. I'm sorry. But okay. it's also, hey, as long as it was, as long as it was on purpose, I don't oh, care. Yeah. I mean, if it was been... on purpose, I don't care. When it's when it's when it's an accident, then I was going to nah, lose my mind. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, follow me on Twitter. I don't. I guess only because I have my account back, and that's yeah, you fun. Have it back. But you know, in in general, you know, go ahead and jump onto your podcast app and give, yeah. give our boy Chase Chase uh, yeah. uh, Chase Tomas right. a, a five star review. People forget. Chase Chase Tomas. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I get Balake all the time at least for all uh, that. So it's not Balake Murphy seven, it's at Blake Murphy seven yeah. at least for there all of like Cardinals takes and other weird memes. I, I I love I love having photoshopping Cliff into Ryan Gosling scenes at least is my new trend I'm gonna try for, for this year, so we'll see how that goes. And there you terrible go. photoshopper. So if you like terrible photoshops, awful jokes, and Cardinals content, that's where you can find there. There you go. Evan, Blake, thank you so much for making the time and uh, we'll have to check back in again soon. All right, talk to 
All right, y'all, that'll do it for the Tuesday, June 28th, 2022 edition here on the Chase and Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, go check out all of other great shows all across Blue Wire Pods. Uh, Insight with Chris Van Bleet. We got uh, Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. We've got uh, The Long Shot with duncan robinson yeah all kinds of great shows all across the blue wire pod network so go subscribe and check out all of our great stuff at bluewirepods.com today uh if you enjoyed today's episode and you have not already done so please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts or spotify if that is indeed how you listen to today's show and you have not already done so uh as always i appreciate you guys uh making the chase most podcast part of your daily listen uh at whenever that is i greatly appreciate uh you checking out the show and uh, everything we got going on here on the chase most podcast and the blue wire pod network so uh very very excited for the week ahead we got a jam-packed show for you guys tomorrow um very exciting guest uh jared dickey yeah Tennessee uh, outfielder who uh, is extremely hard to get out at the plate as a lot of SEC uh, teams found out this year and they're going to find out more next year. So uh, very excited. Uh, All kinds of great guests on the docket for the rest of the summer and as we keep building for football season, the return of the NBA and all that good stuff. But um, all all kinds of great stuff on the horizon here on the Chase Most Podcast. So thank you as always for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen. As I said, and uh, new episode tomorrow, jam-packed shows for the rest of the week. Uh, thank you as always, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.